Thanks, everybody, for downloading the latest edition of the All Lions podcast, made possible thanks to SI.com and the Arena Group. I am the Doc, John Macaroon, joining me this week to talk about the Detroit Lions, my guy, Adam Baydoon, over there at Woodward Sports. I always look forward to having a football conversation with somebody who I consider a realist, somebody that is in the know, somebody paying attention as closely as I am to the Detroit Lions. And finally, we can have a talk about these Detroit Lions in a different tone than we did earlier in the year. Adam, my man, what's happening? What's up, man? I'm great. Thanks for the uh, the eloquent intro. I appreciate it. Listen, it's nicer than uh, nicer than my mom or anybody close to me would ever say about me. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you're doing great things. I really appreciate it. Anybody that invites all lions and another podcaster onto their platform and lets me say whatever I want. Oh my goodness, that's the best and the great thing that you guys are doing is in, in the world of sports. And, and also too, which I like too, is you keep it real. You ride the wave of emotion like everybody else. You're in. You're you're just somebody that is not afraid of saying, hey, I'm not happy with what I'm seeing. And obviously when the Lions start the year one and six, you can't be out there promoting sunshine and rainbows when the team is not playing good. There are things to look at. And now the good thing and the blessing of being able to talk about the Lions is they're winners of four of five football games and coming off of a dominating performance against the Jaguars. This is a fun time to talk about the 2022 Lions. It is, I think, the peak of this organization under Dan Campbell, uh, Sheila, Brad Holmes. This is the best. This is the apex so far. Uh, could it be better? Sure. Uh, would I prefer them not to be five and seven and having to win four or five to even salvage the record? Sure. But at the end of the day, they've been excellent. Not good. Not very good. They've been excellent for five consecutive weeks. The only reason they have a loss in those five weeks, unfortunately, is because of the continued game management blunders that Dan Campbell seems to always have a knack of making. So, look, I think to your point earlier, nobody wants to talk about a losing team. Uh, I I like to think I'm fair. Uh, Most people wouldn't agree. I like to think that I give reasonable uh, insight and opinions, but when you give me one and six, I'm really not sure what I'm supposed to work with, Doc. I mean, you want me to sit there and lie to you as a as a consumer of the Lions? Like, should I lie to you and say it's all sunshine and rainbows when they're one and six? Coaching hasn't improved. Uh, the only thing that does look good is the offense, but the defense is even worse than last year. Uh, you know, I, I, I try to be fair and I want to defend them, but I can't. That's not my job. My job, unfortunately, is to tell you what's going on and... You know, just like they were really bad at one and six. Now they're winners of four or five and it's happy times and there's optimism. There's shared optimism within the fan base. Uh, The optimism in the locker room is at an all time high. These guys really believe in what they're doing and I can get on board with that. Absolutely. And look, the blessing is you're not building your brand off of just being positive and selling hope. You're building your brand off of being real and being honest and being somebody that says, hey, Dan Campbell's not supposed to be one and six. But when you come up with excuses or when you're always going to say, well, they're one and six, but I still believe they're going to make the playoffs, people are going to look at you funny. They're going to say, what is wrong with you? So that is why I believe in those that keep it real and are willing to criticize a little bit. It's not a, these are big boys. These people can handle it. Dan Campbell has heard the criticisms. He knows. And guess what? Based on the issues that he had, he was forced to make some corrections. 
And obviously, Dan Campbell got better as a head coach throughout this season. When he makes that mistake, and I think the game against Minnesota in Week 3 will go down probably as a sentinel, pivotal game where Dan Campbell's decision to go for a field goal with a kicker that was hurt, as opposed to being aggressive, which he had been prior to the game, cost the Lions potentially an opportunity to have a really good season. So obviously Dan Campbell looks at that and has decided at certain times to take the points, to use his punter, to make decisions that are pro-winning. And that's something that we can at least hang our hat on is Dan Campbell's not so stubborn that he's going to ride or die with his aggressive nature. There's an opportunity there to learn and figure it out. And you and, and you you spoke to it. I think the biggest issue that people are going to have with Dan Campbell philosophically, it's not whether he can coach or not. The man can coach. The man knows X's and O's. He's been around some of the game's best coaches. It's a philosophical decision that he makes in regards to clock management, not willing to bleed the clock, trusting too much, in my mind, his offense, his defense, and not sometimes taking the safe approach, which is, hey, if there's two minutes left in a half and there's two minutes and 20 seconds left, run the clock out. Don't run more plays so that... It's like we forgot. Yes, yes. It's like we forgot how to play football. And I, I don't mean we as just the Lions. Yes. The NFL, like, yes. whatever happened to... If you get the ball within two minutes, under a minute, uh, or excuse me, under two minutes left in the first half, you do <laughs> everything in your power to make sure you are the one to touch the ball last, whether it's on a scoring <laughs> drive... Or you burn the clock. Bill Belichick is so good with it. Kyle Shanahan, Andy Reid. It's and then you have these people like Dan Campbell, Brandon Staley. Like, stop trying to be smarter than the whole fucking league. Yes. This is. I don't want to say it's simple because obviously these decisions need to be made real time in the game. They're tough moments. I get it, but come on, dude. You, Josh Allen's on the other sideline. Jalen Hurts is on the other sideline. Like, you gotta understand what you are. And just play conventional. And what do you know? You know what's funny, Doc? If they don't kick those four field goals, and let's say they go one for four, you think they get the 12 points? They got 12 points from those four field goals. They won by more than that. And we I hate to say hindsight, but I don't like looking back at the first seven games because it's like week after week, I don't want to have to come in on Monday and question your decisions. If you lose to a team that's better or they just play better than you and they were more prepared or, you know, that that semantics, we can talk about it. But if you're going to go out and deliberately put your team behind the eight ball, the fourth down decisions, the lack of taking points on the road, the lack of punting, dude, you are not the second coming of Jesus Christ. Like, what are we doing here? Let's just play conventional football and you'll win games. And what do you know? For five weeks outside of Buffalo, they've been excellent doing that. Absolutely. And that's what I'm saying is that there was talent on this roster for those that were just like, oh, it's the a t- team that's young and rebuilding. That was my favorite argument <laughs> the entire first seven games of the year. People telling me, yourself, and really anybody that really cares about anything to do with this football team. It's too young. They're not talented enough. I could make the case, Doc, right now. They're more talented than two playoff teams. They're more talented than Seattle, in my opinion. They're more talented than Atlanta, who's on the cusp in their division, only a game and a half out, I believe, from winning that crappy division. I think they're more talented than the Giants, for sure. I mean, Doc, uh, this is a good football team. Uh, Offensively, they're so dominant, top eight in the NFL. This 
this is the team you thought they were before the season, if that makes sense, these last five games. And just because you're now doing it, that doesn't mean I'm not scarred or I don't remember your stupidity the first seven games of the year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's why that argument that people made holds no water because guess what? The football team potentially could get younger. They're going to have a plethora of draft picks. They have showed that they're not scared of playing young talent. So if you're upset about the talent on the roster, well, then I'm sorry. Then you're going to be upset because this is going to be a young football team for the better part of the next couple seasons because it's advantageous when it's a salary cap league. So that puts an onus on the coaching staff to step it up to develop talent. And that's what's happened is that Dan Campbell and that young coaching staff has taken the likes of an Aleem McNeil, the likes of a Malcolm Rodriguez, Aiden Hutchinson, James Houston now has emerged on the scene. And you're seeing young players get those opportunities and not only get on the field, but once they're on the field, take advantage and make some plays for the Lions. Yeah, look, uh, we all knew before the season they were going to be young. That's okay. Your job as a coach is to get the most out of every individual, whether you know some of them started the season injured or you know they developed a little later. That's all dandy, but you know we, we associate the team was young as if they were the ones making the decision to go for on fourth and nine, and they were the ones making the decision not to go for on fourth and one in Minnesota to win the game. Like no, those are coaching decisions. That has nothing to do with talent. You were in one possession games almost all season. And you couldn't either A, make a stop, or B, make the right coaching decision to get your team over the hump. So I'm glad we're past that point. They've won four or five. They've looked so impressive the last five games. And yeah, there's a lot of good things to talk about now, which is always good. Yes, a lot of good things in regards to that offense. I mean, credit to Jared Goff, credit to Ben Johnson, Dan Campbell, putting together game plans that are effective. I mean, it was great to hear Dan Campbell on Monday in his presser, indicate that the game plan was to put the the onus and the pressure on Goff and the skill players to get the job done. And not only did they get the job done, they kept their foot on the gas in a situation in which maybe they could have let up, they could have overly relied on the running game. And it was great to see that that was the game plan, one. And two, they were able to execute it. I would argue that was probably Jared Goff's most complete game in 2022. Absolutely. He's been playing again the first three games of the year. He was on fire and then there was a little dry spell. And now you look the last four or five games, even Green Bay. I know it wasn't the most uh, statistical brilliant performance, but that was a good performance. He made the end zone throws when he had to. And on top of it, if you really think about this, Jared Goff isn't the problem. You can win with quarterbacks like Jared Goff. There's a lot of them out there. Jimmy Garoppolo, Kirk Cousins, Ryan Tannehill. There's a lot of them. A lot of them winning their division currently. <laughs> you can look in the north. The Vikings are doing it with Kirk. Now, uh, we all want the Lamborghini, the Ferrari, the franchise quarterback. Don't get me wrong. But if you have quality coaching and you develop a decent enough defense, you can win with guys like this. As long as you temper the expectation to, you know, we can win a division. We can win some playoff games. We can maybe get to a championship game. Dare I say Super Bowl? Maybe. Depends on the coach. Depends on the defense. A lot of factors. But Jared Goff, to me, is has delivered on what I expected of him personally. I think what most reasonable people expected, which is a good bridge quarterback, a guy that's not going to cause any problems, a guy that's not going to go out and lose you games week in and week out. He's going to be 
I would say, controlled to an extent emotionally. He's not going to turn the ball over consistently. Hopefully not. And you know what? The last five weeks, he's really embodied all of that. And it makes what the front office is going to do in the offseason a bit more, I would say, uh, a bit of a mystery. Because do they draft the franchise guy with the top pick? Or do they wait? Do they take a guy in the later rounds? I think Goff has played his way as the starting quarterback of next year. As long as this team is willing to accept him, if that makes sense. You have to accept that Kirk Cousins isn't Josh Allen. You have to accept that Ryan Tannehill is not Patrick Mahomes. So as long as you accept that, not only as an organization and a fan base, well, then you can move on and say, let's go build the defense. Let's go invest the first six picks that we have in this uh, year's draft on defense, on the offensive line, maybe for a guard. Uh, you can do a lot of good things, and Goff will still be there at a, be there at a relatively very affordable price tag. So I have no issues with his play. He's been good, sometimes terrific, sometimes bad. And that's what I expect from a quarterback like Jared Goff, so I'm okay with it. Absolutely. And I think you and I are in lockstep regarding Jared Goff. Obviously, here's the thing, though, Adam, and I think it is more clear because Jared Goff is a Brad Holmes guy. I think he's under contract. Would I love $20 million in the bank to improve the roster? Yeah, but it is very tough to sell to this fan base and to the front office that, hey, let's just give the reins of a football team to a young quarterback. You know how much growing pains and risk that involves? You know how much, if you you thought people got pissed off at Sheila Hamp for saying the word patience, you know how much patience you need with a rookie quarterback? I think what's going to happen is it's going to depend on Brad Holmes' evaluation of the likes of Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. I would think that based on what we know of his talent evaluation, he can potentially get a decent quarterback that can lead a football team and have mobility in the later rounds of the draft or even wait until potentially 2024. But I think the best plan would be to draft a quarterback that you believe can lead a team and let him learn under Jared Goff because that way 2024 or 2023 is not a wasted season. You then have a potentially, you know, young quarterback learning from a veteran. The team can still win. You have a lot of young talent that is eventually going to emerge. And here's the one thing I haven't heard a lot of people talk about. Amon Ross St. Brown has developed into one of the best wide receivers, most reliable, productive receivers working with golf. How are you going to tell Amon Ross St. Brown, well, look, we're going to take away your quarterback that you've worked two years nonstop with developing this chemistry and give it to a young quarterback? I don't see them doing it. It would take balls. It would take a lot of interesting discussion to try and sell that to the fan base because, like you said, people are definitely intrigued by what Jared Goff can do. What they need to do is continue to solidify that offensive line and protect Jared Goff because the issue with that quarterback is his lack of mobility. If he has to survey the field for longer than two and a half, three seconds, then it becomes problematic. His passer rating goes down, his his ability to read the field goes down, and that's when the turnovers, when he does play bad, uh, tends to rise and cause problems. So it's really fascinating. The Lions season has kind of mirrored Jared Goff. When he's on point, the team plays a lot better and smoother. When he's not, oh, oh, God, it, the team could look like one of the f- worst, football, worst football teams in the National Football League. But I think the picture and the evaluation has become more clear. And now in the remaining few games, we now get to see, okay, we've given you now another tool in Jamison Williams. Show us what you can do with this tool because you're going to have a decent running game, a great offensive line, 
and arguably a go-to number one in 2023. So show us what you got over these next five games. And I think Jamison Williams will allow this offense to take another step forward this year. I, I'm I'm with you on this. I always looked at Jared Goff as if you could get 70, 60% of what Alex Smith gave to the Chiefs before they passed the baton to Mahomes, that was the ideal scenario. Draft your quarterback, sit him for a season, yes. let Goff be the stable role model and move on from there. Absolutely. It, it's going to be great to see these last uh, five games. It starts with the Vikings. So, Adam, let me tell you kind of a little bit more in depth my relationship with the Lions. Yep. I, think, I think you can tell I'm one of those people that kind of looks with a squinted eye at the Lions. I'm a fan. Remember, first and foremost, I was a season ticket holder. I was there suffering when it was Mariucci and it was, you know, coming back in games and missing extra points to lose. I think in six, seven years of being a season ticket holder, I maybe saw four wins at Ford Field. I saw when Ford Field was taken over by Bengals fans. I saw the shit show that was produced when angry Lions fans were unhappy. And it, it's scarring. So I obviously come into covering the team with a little bit of skepticism and criticism. I've seen this before. I've seen the hope rise. I've seen people get their expectations raised. I've seen all the <clears throat> positive bloggers tell me, it's coming, be positive, it's coming. Okay, yep. okay. So uh, I've been waiting for it to come for 20 years as a fan of the team. So now... I'm a person that says, show me until you win these five games and can earn a playoff spot or get in the conversation of being over 500. I'm going to sit here and say, no, I'm not trusting the Lions. It's not time yet. You know why? I don't get into cheering for the team when they destroy the likes of the Jaguars. You give them credit where it's due, but the Jaguars are the sludge of the league. That's not what I want to evaluate where my trust level is. now. You play the Vikings. They're coming in. They've won 10 games. They've won in every which way. They've traded for your tight end in TJ Hawkinson. Go out and play a clean football game against the Vikings. Give them their third loss. And then I'll take my squintiness and criticism and turn it in a different direction. Show me that you can go out there and perform against a real good football team, a division winner at your house, because this is a game I've seen a thousand times where it's a big game, everybody's there, the crowd is pumped, they're excited, and the Lions play one of their worst games and do all the things that they do where Jared Goff might toss an interception, uh, uh, DeAndre Swift drops a football, key mistakes, Jamison Williams is running wide open and Goff can't hit him. Listen, guys, it's there. It's The potential for chaos is there. So I'm asking you, should I trust the Detroit Lions at this point in time, sitting at 5-7, and seven, heading into a key divisional game against the Vikings? That is such a loaded question, my goodness. Do I trust the uh, Lions? I, I'm asking for your honest assessment because my current answer is no. Historically, no, you shouldn't. Uh, if you're basing your trust off of the last four or five weeks, you absolutely should, right? But trust is such a – trust is earned, uh, it's not given. And to give them trust at any point this season would be irresponsible, uh, regardless of their record. You have to go win a division, okay. host a playoff game, win a playoff game. And then you get to have the conversation about being a competent organization, an organization that 
they would trust. The fan base would trust. You would trust her. I would trust. So, no, they don't get trust, not because the last four or five weeks haven't been very good. They don't get trust because you don't get to throw around that type of relation, uh, I would say relationship commitment, just anytime you want it. So if they lose and you trust them now, well, you don't trust them again until they win two more games. I, that's too knee-jerk for me. They don't get trust until they deliver a division title, consistent performances, consistent winning, playoff wins. Then you get the the word trust from me. Where if you have a three and fourteen season, five years from now, I'm not. I don't. I don't think I'd be having a heart attack. I'd be like, okay. Uh, we knew this was coming for cap reasons, for player talent reasons. We went all in, whatever the case was. I, you know, I can't predict the future, but no, you can at least justify it and say, we've been here before. They've led us through it. They haven't yet. They're five and seven. They had a one and six start. They've beaten four teams of their last five. And they're home favorites against a 10 and two Vikings team. We'll see. But no, I don't think you should trust them because... Trust should be earned. It shouldn't be given. Exactly. Sleep with one eye open with these Detroit Lions because you need Aiden Hutchinson to step up. You need to kind of take that step where you're now playing a step up in competition. Can you match that same level of competition when you know what your opponent can bring to the table? You know that Justin Jefferson wants to have a revenge game. You know that Kirk Cousins and Adam Thielen are salivating because of their connection whenever they play the Detroit Lions. Can you knowingly know what the Vikings are going to be willing to do? Can you stop it? And that's what I want to see exactly. And I'm in the same boat in that I I take my time to trust. And so I'm definitely in the boat and in the camp that, yeah, it's going to be tough. And that's not a bad thing. That doesn't mean you don't believe. That doesn't mean you don't support it. That doesn't mean uh, you don't believe they can do it. You can't go around claiming it's different. They're going right. to do it. They are. They are. No, you don't get that luxury unless you are Andy Reid, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay. You don't get that luxury unless you're less neat. And let's not forget of all the pieces in this puzzle. You know, we give Brad Holmes a lot of credit. He's done an exceptional job drafting. I'm old enough to remember less neat was a losing GM with Spagnolo and Jeff Fisher. He was a losing GM who drafted a ton of talent, who was okay in free agency. Sound familiar? And then he hired Sean McVay, and they suddenly haven't had a losing season until this season. And they won their Super Bowl, and they've gotten the two multiple NFC championship games, right? So there's a lot to this puzzle still to be solved. Dan Campbell, I think earlier to your point, has shown he can coach. He's not an idiot. He's not, but he makes turd decisions, idiot decisions in opportune times. So once he cuts that out of it, we'll see. Who knows his limits? Who knows his ceiling? I don't know it. That's why I can't really dive in more on Dan because I've seen him show me that he can lose games, John. And I've also seen him show me that he can win them. So it's a bit, I'm kind of in a cluster here of uncertainty. Yeah, and it, that's what it is with the Lions. Is you could see, you could, we could imagine them playing a great game like they did against the Jaguars, or we could see them playing a game like they did against the Seahawks, where the defense doesn't show up and there's a lot of chaos, and you don't walk away with the victory. It's a big game because it's no easy cakewalk to play Robert Sala's defense. Are you kidding me? In, in New York, it's going to be very tough. There's no guarantee 
that the Panthers are just going to lay down. There's no guarantee every week that Chicago is going to not play their best game. So each game is winnable, but at the same time, each game presents its own unique challenges. And that's why I want to see continued growth. I want to see this offense take the next step forward, which is a little bit more explosiveness, a little bit more reliability in short yarded situations and an opportunity for even Jared Goff to get better to not make the critical mistake, to throw the football away if the opportunity is not there, to continue with this amazing ball-hawking defense that has been forcing so many turnovers, to play more aggressive and to dictate to the opponent what should be happening as opposed to sitting back and waiting. So that's what I'm That's what I'm excited about. I think there is a lot of reason for excitement over the next few weeks. It's going to be fun. Absolutely. They've of, earned it. Yes, they've earned it. They've earned their respect for us to watch it. So... Just based on your just examination of the remaining schedule, do you think they get to eight wins? I don't think winning out is, is is realistic. Come on. It's very hard to win that many consecutive games just by nature of football. How do you see the final game shaking out with the Lions? That is a, that is a tough one for me because I want to say four and one. I really do because I can see it. But it, it will be three and two. They will finish three and two down the stretch. I do think they get to eight wins. They'll finish eight and nine. I do think they lose to Minnesota. They will beat the Jets, beat the Panthers, beat the Bears, and then they will lose, unfortunately, in Lambeau. Or you could flip it. They could beat the Vikings but lose to the Jets. I, I find Lambeau a very difficult place to play, but there isn't a wild card here. Is Jordan Love the starting quarterback for that game? And if he is, you know, that you're licking your chops a little bit. So I'm going to say three and two down the stretch. I do agree. I think they get to eight wins. Smart. Very wise. That's why we enjoy football conversations with Adam Baydoon of Woodward Sports, doing great things with the network. We got a few minutes left, three, four, five minutes left here on this All Lions podcast this week. So I'm very curious. Um, Woodward Sports doing a lot of great things. You recently announced a partnership with Fox 2, a lot of content being shared, and your guys' platform now featured on Fox 2 between 2 and 4. I think it's great where you guys have content shared on a bigger platform as well as you guys continue to grow. How have you liked it so far? And tell me a little bit about what's going on with the network. Uh, The relationship with Fox 2 is nothing short of exceptional. They're awesome to work with. They've been so kind. Uh, we've really shared a lot of cool ideas. You know, we do come from digital. They're more so on the TV side. And, you know, with us merging in terms of, you know, ideas and brainstorming, it's been it's been really fun, actually. Uh, we've been involved in their Sunday pregame show for the Detroit Lions. We've been sharing content. Armani and Edwards is live two to four on Fox 2 every day. So, you know, that relationship has been uh, well, well received so far, uh, for sure, in our building and Fox 2 as well. Regarding the network, I mean, you know, I don't think much has changed since the last time uh, we spoke on this. We're looking to grow, right? We're, we're trying to build uh, a truly independent media company. What I mean by that is, you know, there is no narrative. We never want a narrative associated with our network. And what I mean also is we don't have a, a narrative that we're looking to drive. It's We have multiple shows, we have a social media platform, and we love to give that platform to people to express themselves. And whether it's myself or anybody else here, everybody has that freedom and we want content creators and we want to continue to grow, obviously, and reach followers, views, you know, that's all important metrics down the line. But, you know, the big thing is to 
to really give Detroit a whole new outlook on digital media. Media, excuse me, we really mean that. Uh, media has been consumed really the same way for the last 30, 40 years with radio and TV. It's been so straightforward. And now sports more recently, especially with Barstool, although it's a bit different than what we do, a lot different technically, but you know, you see social media now as an outlet, an out, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here, uh, as an outlet for you know sports talk and it doesn't just need to be on a desk on a tv station you can have debate you can have custom content you can have creative content you can have anything that you can imagine on social media i think that's the beauty of it so for us our heads are down it's football season big things planned for 23 of course as always you know once football season ends that's when we really sit the team down kind of recap on what we accomplished what we did and then we'll hit the brainstorm the whiteboard we'll start coming up with ideas for the upcoming football season and you know the shows will continue to progress and grow and hopefully build an audience that appreciates uh, their shows absolutely and continue to build partnerships i mean how great is that is really it's eye-opening and really inspiring coming from where i came from to where i'm at to seeing an independent outlet partner with a television station what a yeah. what a great concept what a innovative concert uh, concept and that's what i respect about companies that well look at look at content creators in the yes. area yes. i mean we we don't limit ourselves just to you know oh if if you're not on radio john or if you're not on tv you're not you're not good enough for us no no i i know so many youtubers so many podcasters like the all these people have a unique perspective a unique voice and Yep. You know, that was the thing. I'm I'm on air because of that same foundational thought, which is everybody should be able to share their own opinion. That's the beauty of all this. So, you know, the TV deal is great. It adds a lot of legitimacy, of course. It's a big deal. It shows that anything is possible, of course. But, you know, our, our core is the community content creators at the end of the day. Absolutely. That's what we all are. Absolutely. And you guys are doing fantastic work. Woodward Sports. Make sure you follow Adam on Twitter as well. Gives great takes. So now the final thing we got to get, and I think it'll be a stamp of approval, is when Fox 2 Sports work comes on, 11 p.m. with Dan Miller, and there's our guy Adam with a hookah. Dan, let's talk about I these will lines. Be there. Let, yes, let's let's make it happen. I'm going to put it out there. <laughs> what we say in, in, in the world, in my psychological world, is we're going to manifest this beautiful thing where this Middle Eastern man with great sports takes shows up on television, represents the community, blows that hookah smoke out there, and says, "Dan, let's talk about these lines who messed up against these Jets, and let's talk about why Dan Campbell doesn't measure up." to Robert Sala. So I'm looking forward to that day. Look, I'm going to give you credit. Your takes are bold. In order to stand there in the fire and take uh, abuse from people that have no clue what you're about is great. And that's what I like is that you're there. You answer the questions. You answer the bell, good or bad. Look, you gave me half an hour of your time off the rip. I wish it was much longer, but you and I are busy. We're busy folks. So this conversation meant a lot to me. I'm looking forward to re-listening to it again. You're doing great things at Woodward Sports, your morning show, 8 to 10, Monday through Friday. The chat is wild. You can find me in there, stirring it up, trying to defend my takes when people are throwing the daggers at me. I enjoy it. It's a great platform, and that's what it's about. It's about building a community and growing everybody's brand together. And you guys are doing a great job. And I respect a lot of your takes. They're, they align a lot with what I think as well. 
let's keep it going. Make sure, Adam, you keep going and make big goals and try to achieve them. Guys, All Lions Podcast, our time is up. Lights got to go out. And next time, we'll continue to bring great analysis content at SI.com All Lions and the latest edition of the All Lions Podcast coming to a close. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for downloading.